Hey guys, and welcome to Know Your Gear QA number 46. And uh, this is a really exciting one because this is the last one of 2017. And so before we get started, let's give a shout out to the sponsors that make the live show possible. And to the original Know Your Gear crew, we have Bradulus, Jeff Howes, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce Garris, We Backtracks, John Jex, Lawrence Petros of uh, LPD Pedals, Michael Shy, Justin Maybe, and David Madison. Thank you guys all for being the original group that uh, that got this all started and off the ground. And then now we have a new crew, and the new crew is uh, Bob. I think it's Pickwood. I uh, if I'm pronouncing it, Bob. Let me know uh, if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Uh, so Bob Pickwood, Tim, just Tim, just like Cher. There is no last name. There is no need for a last name. It's just Tim. Uh, John Levitt uh, and, uh, and uh, Space Jazz, Luis and Alvaro from Pedal Pal FX, and I got something exciting to talk about with them today. Uh, Ricky Robinson, Gary Marshall, Chuck Keane, Chris Glaze, and Dylan87. You guys are fantastic, and I appreciate you guys for sponsoring the channel. And uh, so let's get started. I hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. Um, I'll tell you about mine in a second. <laughs> It was uh, it was good and crazy, so that's a good combination, I think. But um, you know, as my joke has always been, uh, if any holiday you don't spend it in jail, you probably did a good job. So, how's everybody doing? Anyone uh, have an exciting, uh, anything super exciting to announce? You know, like wow, I can't believe I finally got the, the whatever, or had some good time with the family. Um. Shane asks, how many strats do I have? I currently, I believe I have six. I have, and that's including a squire. So I have a squire strat, uh, which is a, a, a bullet. I have uh, a Mexican strat, a custom shop strat, and two American strats. I'm double checking. So that's five. So why do I think I have six? Um, I'm missing one. Why am I missing one? There's the blue one, the red one. Those are American strats. The black one's a Mexican strat. I have a blue, like a baby blue uh, squire. I have the copper strat. Oh, and I have a sunburst. So yeah, I have six. So there you go. Um, apparently the perfect number. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, yeah, Jimmy's saying, hey, from Indiana where it's currently snowing. Well, it's not snowing where I'm at now. It's like in the 60s or 70s but i just came back from reno uh see if you guys can see i went to uh bizarre guitars in reno and had a crazy experience if you guys want me to tell you what happened i might share with you it was a definitely different experience it was really good very positive but very crazy not what i ever anticipated so i was in reno for the holidays so in a very last minute trip kind of thing uh guitar hack got uh a Les Paul for, for the for the holidays for Christmas, that's awesome. A lot of you guys just looks like you got snow. <laughs> a lot of snow. Uh, Chatter Kung Pao says, "Hey, the new Megami uh, cable say warranty, not guarantee." I'm not shocked. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked at all to see the word guarantee go away from cables to warranty. I heard after doing last week's broadcast, a lot of people communicating that a lot of cables are only carrying two year guarantees. So guarantees, but only for two years, not lifetime. You know, I hate to see that, but uh, you know, it's it's the sign of the times. Fubar says, "Good evening from Sweden." Foobar definitely takes me back. We used uh, foobar as a term sometimes 
when explaining what was happening with a vehicle <laughs> in the motor pool. Um, okay, uh, somebody just ordered a Alan Woody Rumble Cat with a K, K-A-T. Well, now I'm going to say that so I can look it up in the index later. The index was late last week, as you can imagine, because the holidays. I was literally on the road uh, for 13 hours to get to Reno. From where I am, it's 13-hour drive to Reno and then 13 hours back. It wasn't so bad, uh, but it was my first drive ever at past eight hours, so I didn't know how I'd handle it. I am a, uh, a wimp, I guess, when driving. I don't drive very far. So, uh, Alan says, Bizarre Guitar Story Time. Sure, we'll start with a story. Why not? So, you guys, if you guys have questions, hold off. I'll, I'll make this uh, short and quick and to the point. So, I went to see my wife's parents. My, my wife's parents, my, my father-in-law, who I've known since I was like 13, 14 years old. Uh, so, they're basically family the, in every way besides just being married to them. Um, they uh, moved to Reno because he's helping build a new Apple plant. And so, I went. Uh, my wife wanted to go. Sorry, guys. I thought I'd turn my phone. I apologize. And uh, went to go uh, to to Reno. And while I was there, you know, uh, you know, families there were having a good time. And then finally, I saw that opportunity. Like maybe I could duck out and check out a music store. And I knew about Bizarre Guitar, so uh, I was very familiar with it. So we went down to Bizarre Guitar with my son. We walked the store. It was a nice store. It was, uh, you know, it was a normal size uh, mom and pop shop. Uh, there was a couple guitars there. Um, I didn't see anything that was like, ah, I got to have that. I, I was able to check out the Mesa Boogie 35 versus the 25 I have. I was shocked to see it was my first time in person, how big it is. It's almost as big as the JP2C. So I wasn't aware to I wasn't aware of that. So checking out some stuff. And then finally, somebody came up to me and said, hey, uh, I know you. <laughs> Do you have a YouTube channel? I'm like, yeah. And they go, um, yeah, I watch your channel. Yeah, you know what? Let's check out the vault. So they take me downstairs with my son. And uh, we thought we were going to like some kind of back room. I heard that he has some kind of private room. Uh, there's That's not an unfamiliar thing in a lot of high-end music stores to have these private rooms. And so we go downstairs. And of course, in the private room is like a 1959 Les Paul, a 1954 Les Paul, uh, this number, a, a Strat number serial number six. So it's the sixth Strat ever made. Uh, they let us touch some stuff. They told us some cool stories. We got to check it out. They gave me a cool shirt, uh, which was really nice of them to give me a shirt. And, um, and uh, you know, I saw a couple things I wanted. There was a Les Paul, a 2000 Les Paul that I was kind of, you know, thinking about, you know, getting. And I was like, okay, maybe. But, you know, I'm trying not to, you know, uh, I think I'm good. <laughs> so, so I was, I was trying not to get crazy. And, um, so we're checking out stuff and, uh, having a blast. And then they said, Hey, you want to meet the owner, Greg? And, uh, so they took us upstairs and, and I shook Greg's hand. We talked a great guy. Uh, you know, he's had that store since 1974. He's 65 years old and he's been around a while. And he told us stories about the fact that like for one year, the store even owned a part of Charvel guitars when Charvel Jackson was in trouble. And he told us the stories about that and how they made guitars down in that room, that, that private room, they were making some Charvel Jackson guitars. Um, and those guitars have on the label, uh, Charvel by Bizarre Guitar. They they actually have the Bizarre Guitar uh, logo in there. That was one of the things he he uh, asked Grover to do if he was going to help build guitars. Really cool stories. Great time. And if you're asking what did I get, did I get anything? I did. They had in the rack a 59 Bassman Boss pedal. It may not sound exciting to you, but it was brand new because they hadn't sold it yet for $80, $89. Or 80, and I paid 85 bucks. They sold it to me for 85 bucks. 
which is a good deal. These are 120 to 150 used now, I think is what they're fetching. They had, so you guys know, if you live in the Reno area, I'm going to tell you right now, they had next to it a brand new uh, 63 Boss Reverb pedal for $115, and uh, they'll honor that price. I almost bought it. I, I have one, but I felt bad. I told them, I said, you know those things are fetching $200 used all day, and they said, yeah, but, you know, that's what we have it priced at. So if you're in the Reno area, there is a Boss 63 Reverb pedal for 115 and uh, so I would uh, stop in and get that. Like I said, I, I already have one. Otherwise, I would have bought it, and I knew if I bought it, I'd sell it, and I just didn't feel right buying it from them and flipping it. Um, so, you know, anyways, um, so it was a cool story. Uh, it was great to see those kind of guitars. Uh, uh, Greg let me touch his actual 54. Uh, uh, it was 54? It was a 58. Let's Paul. It was a gold top, and it was amazing. Uh, nice and light. So it was a good time. Good time by all, and, uh, and uh, not what I expected cool thing to to walk in a store and see see something like that you definitely don't walk into stores and see a 59 Les paul every day <laughs> so that was cool um okay so let's let's do some questions let's talk about some cool stuff and uh and see what you guys got going on okay so mickey just has a question have i ever tried or played any of the d'angelico guitars just at the nam show the new ones i've picked up um i've seen some of the older ones in stores here and there i've never really picked one up uh i know the new ones are like made in china or something like that and um you know uh i'm sure they're great well the ones i picked up at the show were fine they were they played great i was kind of in that mode where i'm like wow these are kind of pricey and i go are these made you know in us japan and they said china and I was like, wow. Um, but I don't. I didn't feel any issues with quality. They, they felt fantastic. Justin maybe says, hey, Phil, just picked up an Eggnator Tweaker 15. That's a great amp. Have you tried one? I have. And if so, what are your thoughts on it? I, I loved it. Like I said, I said this before in a live uh, show. Uh, if it had reverb, I would have kept it. It's just, it's just a fantastic amp. Um, I would definitely put it in one of the category, uh, in the category of amps that I got rid of that I really should have kept. There was no real reason to sell it. I got rid of it. And, um, and, um, if I came across one again and plugged into it, I'd probably buy it again. Cause I really liked it. Definitely took pedals. Well, sounded great. Good amp for sure. Uh, next question was, oh, Lee Nielsen says, Hey, I got a new year gear t-shirt for Christmas. Hey, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate that. You guys, whether you guys realize it or not, those t-shirts pretty much fund this channel. That's that's a huge, that's the biggest part of the income stream of this channel. And you guys did that. And, um, and it was, it was, it's just, it's just awesome. You guys make that happen for sure. Nathan Sanjay, Sanjay, Sanjay. We're going to say Sanjay. No, it's Nathan Sanyu. Uh, said, glad to see you, uh, rounded your boss fender pedal set. Yeah, I'm still missing one. I got the one I got to get. Uh, I got a fourth DOD. Uh, so a fourth generation DOD FX 25, uh, this week uh that uh oh so lawrence is going to repair for you so pedals you want to see at nam um pedals i want to see at nam you know i didn't even think about that isn't that funny um no i don't know i don't know if there's any particular pedals you know the most excited pedal i was this year was dirty shirley um the last week so let's talk about that's a segue point to talk about what i got for christmas because everything i got for christmas was a pedal so, uh, obviously, I bought myself the this uh, this pedal, and I, I, I really, really enjoy it. It's a fun pedal. 
Okay, it's a fun pedal. And these these are so you guys know. I think I've discussed this before, and I if not, please please understand this. The, you know, sometimes people go, "How many pedals do you need?" And I go, "That's dumb." If I collected Star Wars action figures and that was shelves of action figures, you wouldn't say anything about it. That's what I'm doing. I'm collecting pedals like I'm collecting uh, diecast cars or you know beanie babies. This is just what I collect, and I enjoy having them. And this is a good collector piece because they're not making this anymore. So that's why it's a good piece. Um, the other thing I got for Christmas, I got a special gift. Uh, Lawrence uh, Petros uh, made me this, and it's one of the prototypes for a new pedal. Now, what's funny about this is, uh, I'm going to tell you guys right now, uh, I'm pretty sure he has one that looks exactly like it on sale on Reverb. And the reason that's important is he made a prototype. I'm not sure which one this is. Uh, it, I'm not sure. He brought this to me. I played it. I fell in love. And I said, wow, when you make that, I'm getting that. And then for Christmas, he brought me a wrapped gift, and I opened it up, and it was this. And so there's one on Reverb. I don't know if this is the one I touched that day or if that one, but it's real common for uh, a pedal builder to build a couple prototypes. So this is one of the prototypes, and that one uh, on Reverb is the other prototype. So I'm just letting you know, just, just so you guys know. Um, but anyways, absolutely love this pedal. If you want to know what it sounds like, it's... um. It's uh, it's probably the Dirty Shirley uh, with a bigger, more robust, fuller sound, and um, and not better, right? Although I do prefer it more, and if I could only keep one, I would keep this one. But it's because it it just it has the Dirty Shirley tone that I really like, but it's a little fuller sounding. So that was really cool, and uh, so that so I got that too. So those are the pedals, and you guys know what this is. I got this pedal. This is you guys. So let's see. I haven't opened this got here fast i think it got here we ordered it friday right and uh i'm pretty sure it got here tuesday was that yeah the day after the day after christmas okay got a bunch of bubble wrap and uh a bag of oh my goodness it's a bag of, you know what it's a bag of candy but it's like all these fireball and like i don't know I wish I was into the candy thing, guys. I, I know some of you guys just think this is the. You know what, though? I will tell you this. For years, I was, I was, I hated that they threw candy in the box. I just really bugged me. It's just because I live where I live. It can get 120, 130 degrees in the UPS truck, and I was thinking, man, I do not want candy near the stuff I'm buying. And uh, so I love the fact that they seal the bags now. This, this is legit. So uh, now I feel like if this all melts or does whatever, it's uh, it's not going to be near my stuff. Aha! JHS pedals. This is my first JHS pedal. I'm pretty sure of it. It's black. I didn't know the Andy Timmons was black. I thought it was red like the other ones. I got a pick uh, from Gravity Picks. That must be a thing. You know what? Uh, I got a Holy Board uh, last week from Holy Boards, and it's got a Gravity Pick with their logo on it. So the Gravity Pick, guys. It's got a JHS pen. I actually have one of those pens. I have one of these stickers. So, And uh, I got a warning. It says, do not... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's just warranty info. Big red thing. And... Uh, Ta-da! So we'll be checking this out. Uh, I'm going to do a review of it this uh, real fast, probably in the next day or so. And um, the review is going to be a little different. I'm not so much going to review the pedal. I'm going to review whether or not I enjoyed this is the pick uh, that we picked together. So did did we pick a right the good pedal? Um, so very exciting. So I got that. That was so it was a pedal Christmas and and it's not only a sponsor of the show, but uh, Luis uh, from from Pal. Uh, Pedal Pal Effects sent me the uh, the Pal 800 
uh, Overdrive, the gold one. So I have the silver one. He sent the gold one to review. So I'll be reviewing this uh, very shortly. Um, and it's uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool looking. I, I checked it out. I want to compare it to the silver one to see what's really different. I know it has a switch, um, but it was, but it's, you know, the holidays was rushed. So I got that and something else. Um, Walter Tone Effects uh, contacted me and asked me if I'd be willing to check this out. And I was like, yeah. So what I did is something I do, I do quite often. When a company comes to me the right way, um, if you guys on my website, uh, knowyourgear.net, uh, there's actually a request a review tab and you can request a review or a demo, right? You request it. A lot of companies come at me kind of strange uh, in, in the way. Um, I don't charge companies for reviews. So I have, I'm a little difficult to deal with, I think, because it's my terms all the way around. Everything has to be the way I want. So um, so when they come at me the right way, I try to do as helpful as I want. So he came at me, super cool email, just saying, hey, I like your channel. I would love to get you one of my pedals. Just go on my website and pick a pedal out. So what I do every time when they do that is I send them a response saying, you know what? You send me the pedal you think uh, you know, you want me to check out, pick, pick the best selling one or the one you're having trouble with. Maybe, you know, if I like it and the audience likes it, you might have a new opportunity. So he sent me this pedal. What we sent me was the super driver and they're, uh, they're these custom dipped like in paint. <laughs> this is all dipped in like paint. So <laughs> it's, it's really cool. It's, 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 it's metal, it's aluminum. So it's, it's uh, aluminum if you're over on the other side of the pond. And, uh, so you can see they do this kind of cool, uh, pedals. Um, so it was kind of interesting. Here's why. Because even though it's kind of a review product and, and I don't know what to expect, what I really enjoyed was when I was opening the box, I was like, I wonder what it's going to look like. I have no idea. And uh, I used to have an Ibanez that looked exactly like this color. So so there you go. All right. Enough uh, story time. Let's get, back to, uh, let's get back to work. What do you guys uh, want me to talk about? Let's see. Questions you have. Um, you know what? Tom Lochner has a question. Tom says, I'm thinking of selling my Keeley DNM drive to try the LPD 68. Oh, you know what, Tom? Don't do that. Here's why. Uh, I am really curious about the uh, Keeley DNM. And again, I'm just going to let you know. I, I had a nice, friendly conversation with Robert Keeley. He's a very, very nice person. I had a really good conversation with the guys from that pedal show at GitCon. And so I was thinking about it just a week ago. And, you know, I should probably reach out to them and see if they're interested in letting me. Uh, review that pedal and um and you know what uh, i could be better equipped to help you make that decision if i've heard it i have not heard it um they had one at the get at GitCon, uh believe it or not and i didn't get a chance to check it out i highly regret it and they i think they gave it to phil x because i saw phil x had with it in the lobby in the hotel room and i was looking for an amp to see if i could check it out when i was there and uh, there was no amp in the hotel so um let me check out both i'm curious Right. I'm curious. So we'll do that. And then that way, Tom, that will be my little personal mission for you to, uh, to, I was already on that road. Let's see if we can get it. And if I have to buy one, I'll buy one. It's definitely a pedal. Like I said, as a collector, I would like to have, there's something special to me. It's really one of the first like YouTubers got their own pedal. So that's kind of an interesting thing. You know what I mean? So to me, it has a, a personal kind of interest. And like I said, and knowing both the parties and having good, uh, good, uh, relationship with both of them you know th they were all great guys so it's cool um 
Okay, so uh, Les wants to know, have you played Way Huge guitar pedals, buying two of them tonight? Uh, yes, I have, and I own quite a few of them, actually. Um, I don't have them on display on the shelf, because not everything goes on the shelf. Everything goes in these racks in my closet. And uh, yeah, so Way Huge, I have a ton of them. I have the Overhead Special. I have the Swollen Pickle. I have the uh, the Havelina. I have the, uh, 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 what's the delay? <laughs> I don't know why I can't think of it. Uh, I have the delay pedal, uh, which is really cool. Um, so I have quite a few of them, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, I really like them. They're really cool pedals. But I'm a George Tripp fan. So if you get if you get into pedals at some point, unfortunately, um, I like this analogy, so I'll stick with it. If you get really into Star Trek, at some point, you're going to get into more than just the actors, more than just the, the story. You're going to get involved with the set designers and the prop designers and the prop builders. And that's how I look at this. At some point, I get excited. I got excited about music and artists. And then from the artists, I got excited with the, the people that made the equipment. And so uh, George Tripp is just one of those guys that, you know, I'm a big fan of his his work and his pedals. So, so yeah, can't go wrong with that. Uh, Mellow Yellow wants to know, is the Jet City 50 a good amp? I have good experiences with every Jet City amp I have ever played. All of them have sounded and played, uh, it felt better than, uh, than, um, than what I expected, anticipated, right? It's, it's definitely one of the best, uh, amps. And I think of those price points around, I can't believe they didn't do better. It seemed like a perfect storm, right? You had Saldano, which has got this great reputation. You have a price point and, and, uh, maybe, I don't know what it was. I think maybe Jet City three through three, they should have just, should have just labeled them Saldano. But one of the cool things, I don't know if he still does it, but for a while you could buy a Jet City. If you contact uh, Saldano, Mike Saldano, those guys will mod the amp. You can send it to them and they'll trick it out. They'll make it more like a Saldano. They were doing that forever. If they're not doing it now, it's because they stopped. But something to think about as well. Metal Yell 3 says, have you ever made your own pick guard? Is it difficult? Uh, no, I've made uh, tons of pick guards. In fact, I have a friend that does them now for me. I don't like to make them because they make a mess. <laughs> That's what it is. We well, are router bit on there. I've tried everything. Just it's basically it's uh, the only way I explain it is this. If you haven't done it yet, uh, here's what it's like, guys. It's a, imagine routering a pick guard is like routering MDF. But if all these uh, all the dust from MDF was uh, static charge and stuck to everything like uh, peanuts. So imagine all the hell of packing peanuts and all of the hell of routering MDF. That is what. <laughs> routering uh pick guards is like so that's why you find a lot of people don't want to do it it's not because it's hard it's extremely easy uh you can get the the bit for it and and copy any template and do it it's just a little bit of a mess to clean up um if you have the right maybe router that has a, a vacuum that cleans up a lot of that stuff but my my experience is there's no way to stop that stuff it just gets everywhere and even if you think you clean it up you find it everywhere stuck in your shop so uh so that's why but Ease, yes. Clean up, not so much. <laughs> okay. Oh, and Michael's saying, hey, Jet City still offers mods. So good. Good to know, guys. Uh, like I said, it's worth it, man. I think you could probably get a better amp that way. You know, get yourself an affordable amp and then have it mod out. Last time I looked, which is like two years ago, the mods were realistic. Not cheap, realistic. So, you know, uh, in other words, if you spent five, $600 on the amp, you're spending five, $600 on the mods. But again, you know, you have a thousand dollars in the amp, but you have a little story too. You have a, Hey, this was modded by them and tricked out. So, uh, Phantom Rift says, Hey, Phil, I'd, I'll be the first, I'll be a first time NAM attendee in 2018. Any odd things to expect? Uh, Hmm. You know, I've thought about this every year about doing a video about how to cope with NAM. 
Do you guys think that would be interesting to do? And I know it wouldn't get a lot of views, but if, would it be interesting to you if you weren't going to NAM to know what I think you should know? NAM is really easy. Um, you just have to understand that they're they're generally not very organized as a as a so so um, but they're quick. You'll get your pass quick. Um, the thing with NAM show, I can only tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you some of the things I do. Some of the tricks I do. First thing is I don't eat there. <laughs> so so that's the first thing I want to let you guys know. Um, I don't really eat at the NAM show, and uh, 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 because the the lines are long, the food is not very good, and it's kind of expensive. So what I do is I go have breakfast in the morning. NAM show don't start till ten a.m. So I go have a nice breakfast. Go somewhere, uh, just sit down, eat your breakfast, and then I bring a couple Luna bars. You can check any kind of power bar you you like, Tiger's Milk, whatever. Uh, but keep a couple of those with you. And midday, if you're getting a little hungry, eat one of those, and that'll get you till five, six o'clock when you leave, and just go have a nice dinner. And you'll see more stuff. You'll get more access to more stuff. You won't have to sit and eat some uh, cruddy nachos or hamburger that's $12. And um, and you don't have to waste 40 minutes on a line trying to get that. So, so that's my first uh, suggestion. The other suggestion is uh, st start in the lower mezzanine. But the problem is, is they move the show around a lot less this year. So I could be wrong. You're going to have to look at the map. Uh, definitely look at the map to see what you want to hit. Um, so that will help a lot. Uh, now slacker what uh, 1602 okay slacker 1602 says hey Phil quick question thoughts on a good Les Paul non epiphone alternative kind of want a heritage 157 but finding one to handle is hard well you found the same problem I have um, in fact here is my exact dilemma so I'm uh, I feel horrible I can't help you I can only add to your pain by saying I empathize with I also want a nice Les Paul alternative, and there's a few out there. Um, Godin makes a really good guitar that's like the Les Paul. Heritage makes a fantastic one that's like that. Uh, CMG Guitars uh, makes a good alternative. However, they're not all exactly like Les Pauls, but you know they're in that vein. And all of them a lot less money than a Les Paul, but not inexpensive. Like you said, once you go to a non-Epiphone alternative, you know you're in the thousand to two thousand dollar range. And which is better than the fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollar range. However, you know you don't want to be wrong because the resale values on these were horrible. So that is the only thing I can tell you. And and Heritage, I I I like them, but they just you if you buy a Heritage, you gotta like it because if you resell it, you're gonna lose everything. Um, it's a hard guitar to get out of. And I know some people say, hey, it's not all about resale value. It's not about resale value, but it is sometimes when you're trying when you're using your money to buy a guitar for a few months, you know. It's, it's tough. And a lot of the, there's heritage is really supported by the bigger chains so much. So it's hard to get those really great return policies. So there you go. Um, so something to think about, but I do recommend heritage guitars. I, I think they're fantastic. They sound great. I like said, it would be a shock one day if you don't see me with one. The only thing I will tell you is that once I switch from, for whatever I switch to, I'll probably let my Gibsons go. So I like my Gibsons, but I just deep down want something like you said an alternative something that's kind of mojoed like that heritage is the closest though unless any of you guys have experienced anything else okay all right next question we have oh so chris is talking about edwards les pauls edwards is the company that makes esp uh, they're more high-end. They're a Japanese company. Yeah, Japanese-wise, there's a ton of guitars out there that are less Paul-type guitars. 
the uh, the guy from Loudness, uh, the guitar player from Loudness, plays in Edwards. Went and saw them live. They were fantastic. Um, here's a good question. Uh, DDG8795 says, Hey, Phil, I have a PRS Tremonti 10 top. Don't play it much and considering selling. Is there a best time of year to sell gear? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, the best time was probably a couple weeks ago. <laughs> right? That's when people buy. That's just when the market buys. Um, there's definitely bad times of year, uh, though summer year, summertime because vacation. People, if, if, if guys are and gals are going to buy guitars, but their family wants to go on vacation, it's hard to justify that. However, what I can tell you is this. If you have a guitar like that, a 10-top Tremonti, um, I would go to the forums. That's where you want to go. If you have a specialized guitar, try to find a forum that specializes on that. Um, the other thing is, Tremonti is going to have a big uh, a hype this year at the NAMM show. There's a lot of products coming out for Tremonti this year. So maybe that's a good time to list it up then. People will be very pro. It, it's how it works. I mean, it's sadly, but true. You know, when an artist dies, all of a sudden their guitars go up in value and people start buying them. When an artist comes out with a new album, same thing. Guitar sales go up because people are thinking about the artist. They're excited about the artist. So Tremonti's got a lot of stuff coming out for 2018. And uh, so maybe that'll get some excitement. Maybe get ready to launch it try to sell it next month or the month after that and sean t says phil have you ever tried in my audio super crunch box i haven't but now that it's in the index it's something i can check out the uh it's one of those it's one of those things like you you know you just can't find access to it and uh i don't know how to say joe joe is it joe is it joe Josu Barrows? Oh man, I'm messing up your ma name, man. And you're adding to the super chat. I feel horrible. The um sometimes guys put the phonetics on there. Uh I'm gonna say Josu. Is that right? Let me know if that was right. Jesse wants to know if I like calling stuff. Oh, I love it. It's it's just expensive. Is it worth the money? Um, yeah, I mean it is. It's just expensive. You gotta have the green, you know, to 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 throw down and get it. Uh, John wants to know, hey, Phil, what's your thoughts on doing a Warmoth build guitar? I have actually done a couple, and what I will tell you is the same thing I tell every single one of my friends. Uh, the Warmoth idea of guitar, build guitars is a good idea. Uh, it could be a lot of fun, and you can make yourself a really great guitar. However, you know, really spend some time with it. That's the thing. Uh, you know, think about it. What frets do you like? You know, a lot of times people just get excited about a shape. They go, I want this shape. I want this wood and I get this neck. But really think about it. You're going to build a guitar from scratch with them. So unless you're buying the already pre-made bin parts that they sell, you know, start thinking about what fret wire do I like? You know, what nut do I like? What spacing do I like? You know, what radius do I like? Write it all down, spec it out um, and try to get a really good idea. The reason is, is a warm-up guitar when you're done is not necessarily an inexpensive process. You know, you're going to spend a good amount of money, but you could end up with a guitar that's really great. Again, like a lot of guitar companies, it's going to have zero resale value. So with that in mind, please, uh, please keep that in mind. You know, try to, to, to be diligent with that. Um, what are my thoughts on the Sterling John Petrucci Majesty guitar? Quality-wise, uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Oh, yeah. I've had great experience with Sterling stuff. They're fantastic. In fact, uh, I don't know if I uh, told this story, but I'll tell you, this year was this year at the NAMM show in January. Um, I had my music man, Petrucci. I sold it, uh, the expensive one. I sold it because I thought the Sterlings were just as good. Now, if you have a music man guitar 
and you're like, you're sitting here right now and you're lighting up your keyboard with the, I can't believe you think that's the Sterling is good. Always keep in mind, the Sterling was like $600 or $700. It's as good for that price as a $3,000 guitar. Mine was like $3,500. Uh, you know, street price. I bought mine used. I didn't pay that, but I'm just saying that's what it was. Do I think that was better than the Sterling? It was, but do I think for almost, you know, 20% of the cost was as good? No, the Sterling was really good. In fact, it was too good. You don't want your inexpensive guitars to be so good that, it that, that a person with experience has trouble de deciphering how different they are. And that's what it was. Uh, it's like, I could tell the American was better, but it's, it's just slightly better. Just like Mexican strats versus American strats. I can always tell the American one's better, but it's slightly better. You know what I mean? And I want it to be dramatically better because that's that'll help justify the price point. But sometimes it gets a little gray. Uh, so, yeah, definitely cool guitars. Uh, and as import guitars go, uh, and that's Praxis that makes those, and they make great stuff. Okay, so the next question is from Old Guitar Dude. That's a great name. I like that. To the point. Uh, hi, have you have you or will you take a look at the Fuzzerocious uh, Feed Me pedal? No, but I I haven't done it before, but I will now. Fuzzerocious Feed Me pedal. That's cool. And I almost thought I was like sworn off fuzz pedals. I think I have like twenty fuzz pedals. After a while, you start going. I gotta have them all now, right? But uh, you know. I don't think you ever have them all. They keep coming out with cool ones. Okay. Uh, oh, good question. Here's a great question. Uh, the question was, what are my thoughts on the Steve I signature guitars? And the reason why that's a good question is, obviously, if you're asking that, you realize that I have some. That. <laughs> yes, I, I do. And I and I think about them all the time. So here, here's the thing. Um, and, and, and maybe you guys can relate to again. And this is again, if you if you do great, and if not, then you know, we're all different. What can we say? We're snowflakes. Uh, is, is what the saying goes, right? I, I grew up uh, when I got into guitar, I got into guitar, I wasn't really into technical guitar. And I've never really been into technical guitar. What happened was I at a formative time in my life, in my childhood, when I took up guitar, Steve I Passion Warfare came out. And that was just a really crazy album. And all of the cool guitar players at my school, all the, 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 the kids that were just um, seniors, they were like, they all were like Steve I freaks. They were all these shredder guys. And when you were, you know, when you're younger and you look at the, those players, you want to be like them. Not the, not the famous people. I'm just talking about the kids in your school. You're like, ah, oh, man, I want to have what that kid has. I want to, you know, I want to do that. And that's what they had. And um, so what happened was, uh, if you do the timeline, it works out. So advanced two, three years forward. Now it's time for me. I've, I've hit, I'm, you know, I've been practicing for a few years. It's time for me to get a quality guitar. And I want a shredderific guitar like those guys had. Well, that music, it died. And that's not what you played. And so uh, those guitars weren't in vogue and you really didn't buy them. So I never got that chance. And so later in life, uh, you know, after, you know, having kids and then you get jobs and you get to a point, you're like, hey, you know what? Um, over the years, I always thought about buying a couple because I thought they were cool and they just kept going up in price. And so at some point I just said, you know, this is getting ridiculous. So I bought a, a couple of them. I have a floral gem. I have the yellow gem. Uh, and that's why I have them. It's just, it's just, just something cool. It reminds me of my you know, when I started out playing guitars, it was the, it's like the, it's like having, you know, like, wow, that was the cool kids had those. Um, 
Um, but they're cool. And, and But if you're into Steve I, that's really cool. I like Steve I. I think he's really interesting as a player. I like watching him talk. He has interesting thoughts about stuff. Um, I've never seen him live. <laughs> so I can't really say I'm like a huge Steve I fan. But I am a fan of that of that genre of music and that stuff. I just thought that was a cool time. And I miss, and I felt like I missed out on it. I never got to be there for it. So. All right. Uh, so is there any chance? Okay. So Xavier says, is there any, is there any chance for a pedal that gives you Pantera Metallica tones? There are a lot of pedals that give you those tones. I will tell you the pedal I think that best suits it for me would be either the BEOD by Friedman or the 5150 by MXR. Those two pedals have the most... Metallica and Pantera are kind of different in sound. They're both heavy metal, but Pantera is very tight, very uh, uh, very uh, solid state, very focused, extreme distortion sound. And Metallica is more of the, for the early days, probably more like that, but later more of a Mesa Boogie sound. But to me personally, if I was going to nail those two bands, I think the BEOD would do it or the 5150. Me personally, I would take the BEOD. There's a reason why that pedal got so popular so fast. It kind of nails that stuff. And what's great about that kind of pedal is it doesn't just pigeonhole you down that road. There is a great ton of pedals out there. There's the full bore metal. There's a ton of pedals that will do those sounds as well. But I'm just going to tell you my favorite of the bunch. If I can only pick one, it would probably be the BEOD for that. Uh, Ed Bailey wants to know, Phil, is there a real difference between the Fender Jaguar bass and a Squire? Um, well, yeah, there is, you know, the whole Squire versus Fender difference. There's, there's what I call holdback. Fender specifically will not make the Squires the same way. Now, and I didn't say the same quality. I'm just saying the same way. They're not, they're not dumb. Uh, they, the, I liken it to, uh, uh, to the formula, right? They'll make a Squire like the Fender, but they won't make the formula exact. In fact, they're so crazy about it. That's what they do with the main Mexico stuff versus the American and the American versus the vintage. It's really just each one gets you closer to the original formula. Now, if you care about that original formula, well, then you've got to keep going up the ladder. Uh, me personally, there's things about the formula I don't like. The original formula had lacquer. And although I think that sounds good, uh, you know, it kind of has a different, I don't know, vibe to it. Uh, I don't really care for it. I, I like polyurethane just as much the way it feels. Um, but... And, and as a bass player, the Jaguar bass versus the Squire bass, I have a Squire Jaguar short scale bass, and I think it's fantastic. So I'm going to say, yes, there is a difference. There's a real difference. However, is it is it does it matter to me? It doesn't matter to me. I would be happy with either one, without a doubt. I actually have the Squire, so there you go. Here's a great question from Phil Smith. Serious question. Why most of why are most guitar players generally technology challenged? You know, Phil, that's a great uh, question, and it is true, and we know that's true as an industry. Let's talk about it from the industry side, not just as gear guys for a second, or ga gear gals and guys. Uh, it, as an industry, we're very aware of technology, uh, the d deficiency of technology <laughs> uh, challenged people. Um, the, the truth is guitar players fall into the techno joy or techno fear. They're into technology. They think it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, 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 that's why they like the eventide and they like Axe Effects and, and, you know, and they're into uh, recording and programming. And then there's techno fear and techno fear is like, I just want knobs. Uh, and there you go. That's generally what's the two categories. There's a lot of specifics in between, but generally that's what makes them different. Um, 
the main reason that I think you have a, a big section of the guitar players have uh, their technology challenged, they don't is that because they don't have an interest in learning the technology because it's not a technology based hobby and or profession. In other words, you can you know you can't survive in in a lot of uh, a lot of industries not understanding how to use a computer. But as a musician. I mean, it's getting harder each year. You got to know how to use your computer for sure. But to make music, you don't need a computer still. You don't, you don't need to. You don't need technology. You can still do things analog. I mean, you might have you have your friend upload it for you, but it can still be done. And so the, until there's a, 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 a focused drive, that's why there's always going to be technology-challenged industry. Me personally, I've said this before, I'm staring at a computer right now. I stare at a good computer all day. So a lot of times when I'm done working, I don't want to interact you know, um, there's uh, some of the products behind me and the products I work with have apps and I can interact with the apps on the products. And although I enjoy that concept and I mess with it, sometimes I'm just so sick of my phone that when I go to sit down and play music, I just don't even want my phone anywhere near me. So I rather just have this stomp box and turn a knob. Uh, it, it's not because I think it's better in any way. I just prefer it when I'm doing what I'm, I'm doing. So there you go. But as but on the opposite coin, I really could see where somebody could argue that the technology makes everything easier and better too. For sure, uh, you know, I've seen, I have friends that are touring grade musicians and they have Axe Effects and watching them use it, I could see in an instant why that is the chosen uh, road to go down for touring and playing out. Absolutely, without a doubt, I see it. So, okay. Somebody said, What is that cool brown guitar behind you next to the telly? Oh, that is a. Oh, where's the telly at? There's a telly. It's got to be the Parker. That's my. Eh, I can't even point to it. Remember, guys, I'm on it that that is a parker fly mojo so it's a one-piece mahogany body mahogany neck uh parker fly i own two of them they don't make them anymore there's uh, always controversial about whether or not they're coming back uh i don't think they're coming back uh it's a very interesting guitar if you get bored at night definitely type in youtube parker factory tour and watch how they make those guitars you can see why uh it was a crazy guitar for the time it's a definitely interesting guitar again it's a collector's piece to me it's just something it's a it's a snapshot of time so it came out like in 1992 and it obviously died somewhere on 2016. So, so that's a short lifespan for a guitar, I guess, or, or, or actually a long lifespan for a guitar that didn't make it in a, uh, in a short lifespan for a guitar that was, that was around. Uh, Rick says, Hey Phil, what are good tuner replacements for my Gretsch G 5420 T? And you know what? Uh, I'm the sharpen my ax, uh, uh, thing. The next guitar that I'm doing in that is a Gretsch, uh, and it will be done, uh, soon. The sharpen my ax got pushed back just a day or so. The holidays didn't help, but mainly what happened was, uh, when I did the Epiphone one that you guys saw, um, uh, GraphTech was unable to get me the parts in time. So I went and purchased the GraphTech parts you saw in that video and just did it because I didn't want to wait any longer. Not not wait for the GraphTech guys. I just didn't want the person who was waiting for the guitar to wait any longer. I wanted to keep the momentum going. Um, so I got the GraphTech shipment. They overnighted it to me. The gra guys at GraphTech, Jason, those guys are fantastic. Uh, they they uh, overnighted me all the stuff. And so 
that Gretsch uh, is going to get new tuning keys and some other cool stuff. So you'll uh, see what I think of that. So definitely, I'm, I'm a big fan of those replacement tuning keys. Like I said, I was already using those. And then when they offered to sponsor that 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 Sharpen My X, uh, X uh, promotion, that's why I went with them. It's uh, it's uh, that's I love it when stuff happens that way. You know what I mean? It wasn't just, you know, I needed somebody to sponsor. I was already using their product. And because of that, they knew that and they were able. And so I get to use the stuff I like. So, and sorry guys, I go, I just reading, trying to see you guys have so many great questions. There's 750 of us on live right now. So you guys are fantastic. I hope you're excited for the new year. I'm excited for the new year and what it has to bring next year. Hey, there's graph tech labs right there. Hey guys, how's it going? Like I said, got your parts. Thank you. Ex all the extra goodies and stuff. I'll do a, I'm going to do a, uh, opening unboxing of that on the Instagram to show everybody what you guys sent me. Uh, you know what I, I love too? I just on a side note, I love that when I was going through the box of parts to, 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 to do the sharpen my axe, more guitars and stuff. <laughs> I was, I'm jealous. <laughs> like, Oh, I want to just put this stuff on my guitars, <laughs> but that's not a cool thing to do. So I'm not going to do that, but you know, but that's when, you know, it's kind of like when you buy a gift for somebody, you know, you got the right gift when you're like, well, maybe I'll keep this and get them socks. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, and then, and then you realize like, no, I know this is a great gift because if you want it, you know, you probably find the right thing. So am I, somebody's funny, Justin, uh, Justin prophet's like, are you related to Billy Corgan? No, but, uh, uh, we do have the same barber. see. I got jokes too. <laughs> so, um, Okay, let's see. What else have we got? Somebody asked about Lux Tone guitars. If I knew anything about them, I don't, but I, I just want to say it because like I said on the index later, it's something I can I can check out or we can check out. I'll put the links and stuff. Let's see. Okay, so here's a question. I like these kind of questions. You know, sometimes they, they happen so often. You know, everybody asks every week, but it's a question I think we all struggle with. Here's the question. Uh, it says, uh, Bindle, Sh Bindle Schultz Nitz, Schitz Nitz, whatever, whatever it is, says, what's got the best sound for home playing? A Blues Junior, a Tweed, Blues Junior Tweed. That's one sorry, I'm sorry. Blues Junior Tweed or Blues Deluxe or the Princeton. And I've owned all three of those amps, and all will do uh, quiet fine. The Blues Deluxe, I definitely would recommend, uh, you know, for me, taking out the, the 12, 12AX7 in the V1 spot and doing the 12AT7. And if you don't know what that means, uh, I have a video on that, and uh, it just shows you how to swap one preamp tube, and it'll drop the volume of that amp considerably and let you kind of play a little lower at night. Um, all sound fast, fantastic. Me, I like the Princeton most for me, and the main reason was it compresses a little differently, and it just really sounds good um but for for late night playing i think all amps all three of those would be great definitely the blues junior has one advantage it's the least expensive of the three so think of this and then in the order you named them is the order of the expense so can i so i will tell you this for late night playing let's just sw swing it down to the blues junior tweet at the princeton those would be the two i would pick out of the three for late night playing and that in the mindset of that and the truth is the blues junior tweet is almost half the price not quite but close like one's a thousand fifty versus like 699 or 700 so not quite uh it's like 70 percent of the cost anyways 
do I think the Princeton is better than the Blues Junior? I, I don't. They're kind of slightly different. I just prefer it. It's something I like. So I actually did a video once where I talked about the fact that I've owned five Blues Juniors. <laughs> so, but on a side note, I can't say this. Out of the Blues Juniors, I like the Tweed one the best. Just the way it looks, looks cool. So... And then Ben Galvin, Galvin says, hey, Phil, please try the Zoo Drive. It's a killer OD pedal. Okay, the Zoo Drive? All right. Okay, so Josh has got a question. It says, hey, Phil, what do you think of the DD3 that's by Boss Delay Pedal? And that's my favorite Boss Delay Pedal. Old school, right there. Just notice that the price of the new DD3 went up from 129 to 139 uh, why would the classic pedal go up in price? Uh, you know, Boss, in my experience, it's probably has little to do with costs. Boss tends to just know the market, and they they're they're smart. If you look at their Boss, if you look at Boss, they're a perfect example of a company. They make a lot of pedals, and if you really look at them, if you really pull them out and and stare at them, you'll see like this pedal is really this pedal, but this pedal is ninety nine dollars and this is seventy nine dollars, and you can't imagine that they're different to manufacture, and it's um. It's kind of like uh, the way I, I like to explain that. It's like T-shirts, right? Let's say you make 20 different T-shirts, but one T-shirt logo is in, in vogue and it's selling a lot more. Sometimes you might rise the price on that. And I think that's what Boss does. And that would make sense to me. I think the DD3 has been really pushed a lot, at least on the YouTube circles, a lot. It's uh, highly liked and respected by Paul Gilbert. It's the only Boss delay that uh, uh, that uh, Joe Bonamassa has ever said he liked. You know, He even did a thing where he said, set all the knobs straight up in the air at 12 o'clock and you get a sound it's a really respected pedal in the delay world um so yeah i can imagine why they think of this because they they you know mo, it, think about the 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 bigger question the fact that they still make it says a lot it's the dd3 they're up to the dd7 now you know you don't see a whole lot of them making a pedal like the course pedal. you don't see them making the old course pedal and the new course pedal they usually kind of revamp them and keep going and the dd3 just stays in the mix so and it's because it's a good pedal um hmm caleb wants to know what's my favorite pedal and why favorite pedal is impossible to say because you're always going to say the one that you just got <laughs> you know right it's like the newest one it's most exciting uh so what's my favorite pedal um i've said it before i've said like it's a zen drive that's a good go-to pedal for me the 68 is a really good go-to pedal for me those both those pedals have this kind of you know go go-to pedal um, so I'm just going to cheese out and tell you what my favorite is right now. My favorite right now is this weird prototype one that you can't even buy. So I feel horrible saying that, but, and it's cause I like this dual stage thing, but it's, it's new to me. So, uh, that's why, but pedals, pedals to me, the whole point of a pedal is that I don't ever want to like one pedal too much. It's not like an amp where I love the way an amp sounds like a Princeton amp. I love the way the Princeton sounds. I get great tones out of it. To me, a pedal is always like a flavor of the week or month or year. It's about something new to freshen up my, you know, my playing and my ears, get me excited. Um, like I said, you know, when I, or, you know, save me a ton of money in bizarre guitar, uh, man, I could have bought that Les Paul. Um, uh, I don't think the wife would have killed me, but you know, adding another guitar right now, it just seems silly. So I'd have to sell a guitar to get that guitar and I just couldn't figure out what to do. So, you know, 85 bucks for a pedal 
it, it made that experience, you know, really good. In fact, I think everybody knows the story or doesn't know the story. When I was in Nashville at the Summer Nam, it's back there, um, I bought a pedal that's made in Nashville. Same thing. I was looking at a Gibson, I think it was an L5, something like that. And I was just almost about to buy it. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, because you get excited. You're in the moment. So, all right, 774. I think that's the highest we've ever had for a live uh, live show hang. So, are you guys excited for New Year's? I'm excited for the New Year's. I'm excited for NAM show for sure. Uh, Showman Blues wants to know, Phil, do you still love, love, love the PRS Mira? I do. Uh, the PRS Mira is, uh, I, in fact, it's right there. See it? Uh, it's and I, and I, I, I'll tell you. I think I said this once in a live show. I'll just keep saying this stuff just because it's funny. It's it's mostly I don't know this stuff until over time watching, and I start realizing what I do. I tend to keep the guitars I like the most. So keep in mind what's there next to the amp, <laughs> right? So uh, generally speaking, uh, I've been using lately. I've been using the Houston Kinder amp a lot. They sent it to me to check out, so I've been trying to get familiar with it, so I play it a lot. So you can imagine the mirrors next to it. Uh, obviously, the Parker got pulled out of retirement for a little while. It's there. Uh, the the Copper Strat, it's right, you know, there, whatever. I can't point to it. You guys get the idea. Um, the mirror. So I still love my mirror a lot. The only guitar that's actually, the only Pierce guitar that I've ever got that's actually made me want to play that more than the mirror was that reclaimed uh guitar and it's just because it i like the maple neck on it and i like the that it's light like the mirror so but no i still love the mirror it's light it's easy i, I i'm a horrible prs person As somebody was saying the other day that i have a big affection with prs but i'm like actually the worst prs person there is i tend to like all their cheap stuff and in the prs world i have a 594 that's like the holy grail i have a custom 10 top custom 24 holy grail guitars two guitars you've seen the green one those guitars are the least I play. It has nothing to do. My my Quest 24 has a dent in it. I don't even care. It's not even like a, a you know, don't touch it. I, I play my SE24, my Korean one, more. I play my CE. I play my S2. See, the S2 is right there. I It's for some reason cheaper PRSs feel better to me. It's just, it's a weird thing. It's like they're, I don't know. There's something about them. So I, I tend to like his cheaper PRSs more than his expensive ones for my personal taste. So... I hope that hope that helps a little bit. Oh, Brandon's got a crazy question. I like it. Can you bend the inside of an in, the inside of an input jack uh, on a guitar to get a better signal uh, if it's cutting out? So he's talking about, and if you've seen any of the videos, I have one on input jacks, and of course on the sharp of my axis, I've, I've mentioned there's a there's an arm inside the input jack, and of course it touches, it makes contact. Uh, with two points, right? There's one point where it touches the the tip of the uh, the uh, the jack. Uh, I don't have one here on my table, uh, but anyways, and that's the hot, and then the sh the sleeve is the ground. And so, if you bend it in, will it get better? Yeah. Well, if it's if you're having a problem with cutting out because it's kind of bent out, bending it in will help. Although, keep in mind, once you bend one of those things, it's pretty much the the end of it. Uh, it might get you through a gig, but it's time. Input jacks are cheap and easy to install. If you are a guitar player and you want to continue to be a guitar player. Please, you know, please start with this. Some, in fact, here's the first electronics thing. If you want to get into electronics on guitars, just replace the input jack on your guitar. Talk about an easy endeavor. You can improve so much by going to a better quality input jack. It's such an easy thing. It's such an inexpensive thing. A good quality input jack, switchcraft jack, 
retail, just the most horrible. You walked into your local mom and pop and they're just not giving you any deals. I can't imagine you spend more than eight bucks. I just can't imagine. Maybe, maybe 10 bucks is some kind of crazy price point, but that's crazy price point. I buy them in bulk. I think I pay a hundred bucks or a hundred of them cost me like 30 something dollars. I think they're like three bucks a piece. Pretty sure they're cheap. I buy, you know, so they're cheap. Switchcraft. Switchcraft is a good brand. Switchcraft input jack. But the great thing about it is it's got two solder points. I did a video on it. It explains everything. There's no confusion, right? A hot and a ground. If you want to get into soldering, just replace your input jack. It's cheap. It's easy. It's fast. You only have to, <laughs> you have a 50-50 chance to get it right. Even if you have no idea what you're doing, as long as you don't burn yourself on the soldering iron, you probably won, <laughs> right? You solder it on. If it doesn't work, then you take them off and solder them the other way. You cannot hurt it. There's no current running through it. Even if you have EMGs, actives, then there's only three wires. You still can't hurt it. Um, you won't do anything. Um, you know, I, I would personally unplug the battery while you're soldering all this stuff together, but I've never experienced where the batteries have had troubles where they've exploded or anything because soldering wrong. Usually if you solder wrong, you'll just burn through the battery quicker because you'll uh, the ground will be on the wrong spot, so the battery will be uh, being used when it's when it's not. But my, But keep it easy. What a great thing to replace, uh, and you don't need to worry about fixing them. It's it's fast and it's easy. And on a cheap guitar, it's it's and especially this is the thing that's going to crap out on you when you're in front of people. So if you're a gigging musician, definitely upgrade those parts. Cheap, easy, fast to do. A great way to start teaching yourself. There you go. Uh, Tony says my strat was buzzing when I play it anyways to fix it now I don't know if you mean buzzing when you're playing like sizzling on the frets like buzzing out or buzzing like making a 60 cycle hum uh, If you're not familiar with strats, you might be getting 60 cycle hum The first thing I want you to do is uh, on your five-way switch uh, There's uh, starting on the back go one forward or to the end go one back in other words positions two or four um, and if the buzzing goes away, that's your pickups making noise. That's normal, and that's how you will alleviate that. If you're having other buzzing issues besides that, you might have a ground issue. Something's not grounded anymore, so you need to go through and look at that. And that's a simple thing, too. Just go in there and, and look. If it's not connected, that's your problem. Uh, uh, Nicholas wants to know, how do you get a, a tele sound from a Strat? You know, you, you, you basically... You get most of the same sounds from a Telian Strat. They are reminiscent alike. The big thing that I think you can't get from a Strat is a Tele has this great tone in the middle position of the three-way switch where you get the bridge and the neck. And on a Strat, you don't get that. But if you Google it, there is wiring schematics out there, which you don't even need parts. You just know how to you need the wiring schematic. You can wire up a Strat uh, to where it, it has that position, which is the two outer pickups. And that'll give you the, kind of that Tele uh, sound as well. That's the fastest, cheapest way to do it without any parts. And then from there, you can kind of figure it out with parts. Okay, Michael's got a great question. Phil, what are your thoughts or, or opinions on string lubricants like Fast Fret and Tone Finger Spray? Uh, does, this add, does this add or degrade the life of your strings? Does this actually help with playability? Thank you, Michael. You know, and this is a great question because... A lot of us, and by the way, there's 795 of us on. This is definitely the highest, so I just want to point that out, that the highest amount of people. Okay, so on that question, a great question. There, um, I've, I've said this before. I have extremely, you can even hear, I have extremely dry hands. Like, I just do. I've always had dry hands. Um, so I. Uh, some people have oily hands, and some people sweat a lot. Uh, I, I'm just really dry. So the reason that's important is because, believe it or not, the, those chemical makeups of how you sweat or don't sweat affect how a, a guitar neck feels to you and strings feel to you. So um, 
If you have an issue where your hands are sticky or you feel like the neck is sticky, some people use fingeries. Fingeries is a spray like Pam cooking spray. I wish I was kidding. It's not the same stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it works the same way. You spray it on there and it's basically, you know, makes everything slick and easy. Um, and it claims that it cleans your strings too. I have seen where you just, you, guitar players just spray that stuff right over the neck. They don't even care. I wouldn't spray it on unexposed raw maple necks. That's the only ex exception I've seen. Rosewood necks, I've seen no issue with it. Uh, any kind of sealed necks, uh, doesn't matter what it is, I've seen no issue with it. Uh, Fender maple necks that have sealing, you know, they're sealed. Uh, you can tell that they're sealed all the way around. Go ahead and do it. I wouldn't use it on a, uh, like I said, a raw, unfinished maple neck. That's the only exception. And that stuff works for, for those kind of players. I don't need it, so I don't use it. Um, but it's not because I don't I don't think it works. It's just because I don't need it. Um, but yeah, you spray it on there. There's tons of videos on YouTube you can watch where people just spray it on there. Some will spray it on a cloth. You can wipe it on there. There are tons of other treatments like that that lubricate the strings. Essentially, a coated string, uh, whether it be that uh, clear tone or elixir or what uh, Dario does, uh, is the same thing. They're just coating the strings and stuff. They use a different type of chemical and a different concept, but same. They're trying to get the same result. They're trying to, to make the string lubricated, right? So it, so it has no friction. You're trying to stop the friction. So yes, do I think they work? Yes. Do they have a, a negative effect on the guitar? Not that I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of guitars over the years. I've never seen any guitars with like, you know, like what is this years of gunked up of that stuff? I've never seen anything. Uh, and I've never seen them corrode the strings or do anything to the strings to advance the process. So there you go. I, and that's just my experience of what I've seen. And I've seen thousands and thousands of guitars. So I, I've just never seen it. Is it possible? Yes, but I've never seen it. So you can you know, rely on that at least. Um, and there you go. And just spray it on there. Me though, personally on a side note, although I've seen the guys use that way, and I'm sure they're fine. I can't help it. Everything I do is spray on cloth and then cloth too product so i would spray it on the cloth and then rub it on the strings that would be my way of doing it uh same with polish same way with anything i just i feel like i have control of it and i'm not saturating anything in the guitar plus i don't want it to get anywhere where i don't want it so i don't want to spray it into uh um uh to the cavities so Paul wants to know, what do I think of the 11 rack? The 11 rack's great. Uh, somebody, I can't remember who, but somebody just bought 11 rack, so you know. And that's why I think they're clearancing them out. So if you're out there and you're looking at 11 racks for like 350, right? I've seen everybody use trying to get 350, 400. New, you can find them 350. I don't think you can buy something that good for 350 right now, as good as those are. So it's a smoking deal. It's a great time to buy that. You know. I thought about getting one too. I was like, well, maybe I, you know, use it for something. Uh, always rocking 2009 says army dude watching. Uh, who <laughs> says, uh, rock on Phil. All right. Yeah. Okay. Great. Quite, great. Brian, Brian saying he has sweaty hands and the elixir, elixir strings make a huge difference. Yeah. Cause I'm pretty sure elixir strings are, are, are made by core chemicals. So I'm pretty sure they're dipping that stuff in Gore-Tex. I can't be hundred percent sure, but I would be surprised that it's the irony is Gore chemical, which makes Gore-Tex. If you guys know what Gore-Tex is, Gore-Tex is a chemical that they spray on clothing. Uh, if you ever been in cold climate, <laughs> uh, you, uh, you know, uh, you get Gore-Tex and they spray this chemical on the clothing and the, well, they don't spray it, the Gore-Tex clothing, uh, but it, it, it doesn't allow moisture through it. 
so you can still get the chem the the clothing to breathe so you don't feel you don't sweat but but it's hard for moisture to stick to it and i believe it's because of the gore-tex chemical they put on the clothing i don't think they actually make clothing i think it's something they treat the the, the cloth with um so i'm pretty sure what elixir is doing is they're treating the strings with gore-tex in other words same thing they're stopping the the, the, the winds of the string in between the spots are stopping the string from getting moisture to it. And therefore, the string doesn't corrode and oxidize. And so therefore, the string stays fresh. Also, that micro-coating, uh, it helps uh, with the, the friction. And uh, there's nano-coating and then there's poly. Uh, so there's nano-web and poly-web. And again, I can't give you a 100% answer. I can't tell you this is for sure because I've never seen it. Okay, but I can tell you what my what I've heard and through many discussions with the people I think I know. Um, uh, poly, uh, poly coating is where they dip the strings in the coating, and that's what they originally did. And that's why if you guys have elixir strings over time, the stuff sheds off like skin, like snake skin, and it comes right off the string. And I think it's because the coating on the string over time, it breaks away from the string and it comes off. And then they came up with nano web, and nano web is like they sprayed it on with a mist. So it's thinner and it adheres better than dipping it. So polyweb, I think, is dipped and nanowebbed is uh, is sprayed. Some people have preferences to either one. I don't really care either one. They're both fine for me, what I've used. Um, but I just that that that, ex, that explanation makes a ton of sense with what I've felt with the strings, that if one's dipped and one's sprayed, that would make sense. Uh, and then they just put a cool marketing term of nano versus poly on it. So... Uh, hello, Phil. Uh, this is EC. It says, is there a big difference between the EVH uh, USA and the Wolfgang and the Made in Mexico one? Yeah, in my experience, definitely, yes. Um, what I will tell you is, so here's my experience. Th there's definitely three guitars that I say this about. Let's take a Japanese Ibanez to an uh, Indonesian premium. So Prestige versus premium, same call, and EVH uh, Made in USA versus Mexico and Jackson USA versus Mexico. In my, in my touching them, what I've experienced is that you can find Mexican-made EVHs as good as the American ones. I found Indonesians as good as the, as the prestigious. Um, but what I have experienced is the EVH, uh, uh, American EVH guitars seem consistent. Every guitar is fantastic. Maybe one in 20, not so great. But overall, you know, just fantastic. The Made Mexico ones, you can get, find ones that are just fantastic as well. I own a Made Mexico EVH striped guitar. And uh, I, three came in, and I played all three, and one felt great, and the others felt okay. So I kept the one that felt great, and so that's what I bought. And so my my experience is uh, they can be as good as American-made guitars. However, there's more uh, more likelihood that they're not so magical, and that's just something about it. And I don't know what that is. You know what I mean? Because obviously they can get it right. I felt it when it's right. So so you can buy blindly more on the American ones than you can in the Mexican ones. I would definitely put hands on uh, the Mexican ones first. All right. And what else do we got? Oops. Sorry. And we're at the one hour mark. Let's just go a little over since there's, there's 786 of us. It's a lot of us and it's the end of the year, right? We got, we got New Year's Eve coming. I hope you guys are all planning a great New Year's Eve. I don't do anything exciting at all. <laughs> at all. I don't think I ever have. It has nothing to do with age or anything. I just never have and probably never will. Uh, Paul wants to know, Phil, how's the hunt going for the GNL? Uh, it hasn't been going, uh, but with the NAM coming up, I'm going to try and reach out to them. I was waiting for the holidays to kind of settle down. Reach out and say, hey, if I'm going to be in Anaheim in January, wouldn't it be a good time to check out the factory? 
and I might have a situation where I might have a day I can't, because I'm going to be at the NAMM show the whole show. And then I might be there a couple of days early. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. Let's try to find a couple more cool. Ed, Ed says, hey, Phil, was it you that said you would never buy another Electro Harmonix pedal or was that in the blues? Um, I don't know if it was Shane in the blues. It definitely wasn't me. Um, so Electro Harmonix is, is good. I own probably 20 of them. They're very good pedals for the price. You can't beat them. You know what I mean? The Soul Food is fantastic. It's a great pedal. I, I'm still a big uh, uh, the the a big fan of their fuzz pedals. Uh, Justin want or J sorry, Jason wants to know: plucking a Sweetwater Elite Strat is it worth it? You know, uh, here's what I will tell you. I'll tell you what Fender told me when I was in the factory last. We asked about uh, me and Ralph. We asked about plucking the guitars because Fender is not currently plucking guitars now. Could it be BS? It totally can. But I'm going to tell you what Fender told me. Fender told me that they had Pleck come out to buy the machine. And after Pleck uh, went through their process, they said there really wasn't a need for them to Pleck their guitars, the way they construct them, the way they put them together. And they went into a whole spiel about that. And so, you know, it wasn't a question we asked them. We didn't even ask about Plecking. They were just explaining why they don't Pleck at this point. Um, and that they said that they looked in the technology. So, so to answer your question, do I think it's worth plucking the Elite Strat? I'm gonna say no. And all the Elite Strats I've played have been fantastic. They are dialed in. My uh, I, I, somewhere out there, there's a video of me saying this. You know, a while back, I had an Elite Strat. I was I was about to buy it, and I said over and over again, it was as good in every way as my custom shop Strat right behind me. And that's why I didn't get it. I just knew that if I got it, I wouldn't play the custom shop strat. And the custom shop strat, it was it's custom for me. It's a custom color, custom everything. So I really like the elite strats. I, I just everything about them is, is is they feel super quality. They got that high end sir crazy quality to them. So would I do it? No, it, me personally, I wouldn't like pay the extra money. Uh, Mitch Mitch goes, what is plucking? Um, you know, what's great, Mitch, is uh, two things. One, I did a live show with Sammy Ash from Sam Ash, and he talks about plucking in that video and that uh, in that live show. So check that live show for, for detail. He talks about plucking is a machine that companies buy, and what it does is it, it levels the frets. And believe it or not, it's so high tech that when you go to pluck a guitar, you type in the type of guitar, it sends that information to, to Pleca, they're in Europe, and then they they pull up that specs on that guitar and then the machine like scans it and then and it cuts the frets. Sammy Ash says that the Sam Ash in Hollywood has a Pleck machine that they bought it and he said that it's not 100% perfect, that it still needs handwork after it's done. So, uh, you know, so that was his answer. Is it the Holy Grail? He's like, no, because it's great, but it still needs, uh, you know, there you, so there you go. So that's what a pluck machine is. A computerized, uh, basically, fret leveling. Phil says, uh, with the soul food breaking when dropped on the floor or something like that from the top of uh, my memory. Yeah, was that was that Shane in the blue talking about that? I think that was Shane. Somebody talking about, but so, you know, I try not to give them hard uh, time. Uh, if you guys remember in my videos, I had a Ibanez TS9 tube screamer. You know, the, the you know one of these holy... I, it, mine broke, and it broke um, because when I was doing a demo... I need to look at my screen. I was sitting it on an amp and it fell off behind my amp. In fact, I think there's behind me, there's the MXR version, 
which is what I bought. I went and bought a used MXR version because I was mad. The Ibanez TS9, it, it fell off the back of my amp onto the carpet. That's about three feet, and it smashed in the, the power supply and broke the board. It was just, I was in shock when I opened it up that such a rugged, you know, industry standard pedal could break so easily. So I'm not saying that I don't have a problem with DS9. I'd buy another one. If I come across a used one, I'll grab one again. But that's why I don't have one now. It broke. My point to that is, yeah, pedals are going to break. <laughs> you know, um, you know, to me, $79 pedal, $99 pedal, they break. I'm not really happy about that, um, especially since Boss don't tend to break. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just a factor of it. Now, I get a little pissy, though, when things are 200 bucks and they break because I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, I don't know what I'm buying. You know, at 200 bucks, I thought I was buying better sound and better, you know, better, better, better. So I get grumpy at that. But the Electra Harmonix guys, their stuff is so cheap compared to everybody else. Um, hey, Mike from the Beach Cruisers. You know, Mike, I listen to the Beach Cruiser stuff. I started listening to your guys' stuff. I found, I found it out there. Cool, cool stuff. So, yeah, uh, Chris is saying he loves Shane's channel too because uh, stuff for lefty blokes. Uh, yeah. Well, there's not a whole lot of lefty guitar players, so you might be one of the only two lefty YouTuber out there. YouTubers out there. Uh, and John's saying Sir guitars are plecked. Well, according to my Gibson Les Paul that I bought, my gold top, it's plecked, and it was crap. So, in fact, it was plecked, and it came with all this paperwork, and I played it, and it was great. And then, uh, and I bought that guitar, if you guys remember, and I said I said in a couple videos ago, I was falling out of love with it. It's uh, because I wanted to lower the action, and, lower, and it started buzzing a lot. So, I've been adjusting adjusting it. Um, so, it, that's what it is. It's just not, it's not, it's not where I want it to be. It's fine though. It's just not fantastic. Um, Bob says, "Hey, what's a great suggest a good overdrive pedal for a '65 Princeton reverb reissue?" Um, you know, I like the Zen Drive for that. Light overdrives. The Timmy, oh, great pedal. '68 by Lawrence Petros. That's a great pedal. Uh, to me, the Princetons with those 112s, they don't like fuzz. They don't like fizziness. You know what I mean? The 10 inch speaker fizzes a little bit. So you want those pedals that have more of a crunch tone and less of a, a fizz. So those are the pedals I would recommend. And there's a ton of them like that. I'm sure a lot of guys are going to chime in with the comments too as well. But those are some easy ones. The Timmy is kind of a go-to for, for great price point. So and asked if I played the PRS bass. I haven't. Not the... Um, Scatterbrain says, here's a suggestion, a video on hanging guitars, like hanging them behind you. That could be a good idea. I do have, it seems silly, like you're like hanging your guitars, but there are a couple things I definitely have learned over the years, uh, that I, first thing is I don't use the hanger, the, the plastic screws that they come with. I use, uh, butterfly hangers. Okay. So let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Again, I hope you guys had a great holiday. Um, John's got a question. It says, Rex for a pedal, get a double track sound. Oh, recommendations for a pedal to get a good double track sound? Well, there's that pedal by, um, uh, is, that a, is that TC Electronics that has that crazy doubling pedal? It's, it says Digitech has one too. Uh, let's take a look. I'm pretty sure it's TC, right? Hold on a second. Let's find it. Just because 
the reason I rem remember it because uh, Brian Wampler was talking to me about it at the NAMM show. He was telling me how much he liked it. He did a video on it. You guys chime in if you know what I'm talking about. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Mimic, Mimic Doubler Pedal by TC Electronics. I have not tried it. No, I did. A friend of mine brought it and let me play with it. I remember because I remember I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. But Brian Wamper has a great video on it, and he really likes it. And uh, that's a vote of confidence because he's a competing brand with them. Icepick19 says, is the Blue Keeley Magnetic Echo the same as the Green Mag Echo? You know, I don't know. But now that we put it in the index, we'll have people comment. Anyone have an experience with that? Is the Blue Keeley Magnetic Echo the same as the green one? And if not, we need to find out because that's a good question. And uh, I like kind of stuff like that, you know. Oh, okay, so internally you guys were talking about, right now you guys are talking about oiling fretboards because somebody asked, is, uh, have you ever seen inlays on a guitar lift out uh, because they've been over-oiled? Um, you know, I've never seen uh, them lift out because they're over-oiled. I've seen them lift out because the fact that they, the neck got severely dried and, or, and, and the plastic doesn't move the same way the wood does, or just time, age. And the, and the plastic itself moves and expands differently. So, Amber says, I didn't say thank you for the $5. Oh, well, thank you for the $5. Yeah, you're talking about on the Super Chat for Ice Pick? Yeah, I don't mean anything by it. I just, I'm just trying to get to the question. I'm sorry, Amber. Okay. Uh. All right, let's do one last question. All right, here's a great question. And it's from Corey Duke. And he says, Phil, any difference in sound with the PC board versus the old wired and the Les Paul standard? Thoughts on the PC board? You're gonna so this is one of those typical debates of, of doom, right? Engineering versus repair guys, right? This is the car industry is full of this, right? The guys who design the cars and the guys who repair the cars don't get along because they just don't agree with how things should be done. This is the same thing for me. I repair guitars, so those PC boards are just stupid <laughs> for me. They're just they're because they make everything a process that it doesn't need to be. Uh, and 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 I hate I hate the core of what it represents. Um, to me, maybe Gibson's, and let's defend Gibson for a second. Maybe Gibson's logic is that it gives them consistency and quality, that each guitar is wired up correctly and there's no issues. However, the problem with PC boards is I've seen guitars where they're not wired up correctly. Even the PC board was wrong. The, the controls got messed up. So I've seen that. Maybe not a lot of them, but I've seen it. Um, but here's the, here's the problem right away. Everything becomes a nightmare to fix because you got to solder on these PC boards. And generally, everybody wants you to just remove everything and just to, to gut it out and put everything the way it was. So I'm not a big fan of them. And I don't think many people are. Um, but, and I think it's, the reason I think that's a problem is because it doesn't acknowledge the fact that most people do not buy guitars and keep them the way they are. They, they, they trick them out. They, you know, so I'm not a fan, but I want to be very clear. I'm not a fan because I'm working on them, not because I've had experience with them not sounding great or, you know, some people might have some opinions of that, about that. My opinion is just purely on the fact that it takes what I can do in 20 to 30 minutes and makes it an hour long. It makes it twice as long of a pain. And it generally makes it slightly more expensive for the customer because 
I want to just start replacing parts instead of just adding parts to it or exchanging out. So, uh, so that's the, that's the, uh, that's the point. So to answer your question, I'm not a big fan of them, but I can't say that they actually sound worse. Okay. And then the last question is from Andum5150 says, please answer the question about the Duesenbergs made in Germany or Korea. Uh, my, uh, my experience, my experience with them is that they were made overseas. They're made in Korea. I mean, I know Germany's overseas too, but I uh, import. Uh, uh, they're not. They're not made in Germany. They may have been at one point, but the ones I've seen have all been lately have been Korea or China, not Germany. The ones I've seen. So there you go. And then somebody's saying the copper traces. Copper traces or copper wire. Copper is copper. And that's what Michael is saying. Uh, and I've heard both that argument um, and 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 the quality aspect, but and uh, and I kind of lean towards Michael's way of thinking. I don't know if I could hear it. You know what I mean? I, again, I have people that I highly respect have told me that you can hear a difference, and um, and and that's the problem. These aren't these aren't knuckleheads. These are guys that are like these guys. Not only are are smart when it comes to building they know sound and i trust what they say and they say they hear it sometimes me i don't hear it but i think a lot of times what we hear and don't hear it has has to do with our our ear training and what our ear can you know you got to be able to hear this stuff quality wise me personally i don't hear the difference between a, a pc board and a and a wire for the most part not to where i would want to bet you if i could tell you know if you give me two guitars and tell me which ones you know which ones you know, different. I wouldn't be able to tell you, but working on them, they're just not fun to work on. And I would imagine over time. Now, the argument that I have heard that I like, and then we'll end with this note is, is that a lot of the, the, the traces versus wires, the traces don't last as long. And that I've, I've experienced. I, my only problem with that is in the experience I've had, um, the, where the traces don't last as long, it's because the heat expands them and they shrink and the heat expands them. And they get micro cracks and they go out. On a guitar, there's not a lot of heat going in there. So I can't imagine the heat is going to hurt the PC board. So I want to point out that if, if in that argument of the PC board is not lasting as long as wire, I can't imagine the guitar is going to have a huge impact. In fact, if anything, I would think the PC board would be best suited for that, uh, for that product. But again, I still hate working on them. So, so there you go. Hope that helps. Well, guys, as you guys uh, heard, we hit like the record today, almost 800 people. Uh, we were just short of that. Uh, fantastic uh, turnout for the holidays, uh, especially since we got uh, the end of the year coming. Uh, and we got a lot of videos coming. You guys noticed the frequency of the video has been increasing. I will continue to increase them. We got some Sharp on My Axe videos coming out. We got some, uh, the review of the Andy Timmons will definitely come out to see how you guys, how we did. Thank you guys for picking this out last week. Um, I'm really excited about it. And uh, maybe at some point we'll get the uh, the uh, the Paisley drive and we'll AB them. That might be fun to see. You know what did I what did I miss? But I've been very excited about this. This is definitely definitely a pedal I've been thinking about for a while. So I'm glad you guys picked something like this. Uh, you had me nervous in the Miku. I would have got it anyways, but I was like, well, all right, we'll see how this goes. But you guys did good as always. Uh, we were you guys are fantastic. I like to point out again that we do have a new website. It has some calendar information. It has some other cool stuff on there. It's just a community-based thing to let you guys know what I'm up to and what's going on with the channel and so on. So uh, you guys, a lot, of, a lot of you have mentioned that you don't really follow the Instagram or the Facebook thing. I have those two things that I update, but uh, you know, I figured for those of you who don't like those kind of those medias, now we have a website that uh, you don't have to worry about signing up to and being a part of. You just go to it and check out anything you think is interesting. 
So there you go. And then we'll say goodbye for Happy New Year's. Where are you guys from? Tell me where we'll shout out some cool Happy New Year's places. Happy New Year's, uh, Phil. That's from Dave. So just tell me Happy New Year's where you're from so we can say where are all the New Year gear uh, people out there. <laughs> Phil says the Miku will end up with more hype than the Klon. It's possible. So, and... Happy New Year from the Dominican Republic. Awesome. Pittsburgh. New Zealand. Wow. Greensboro, North Carolina. Montana, Australia. Happy New Year. The Netherlands. Kansas City. Grand Rapids. Happy New Year's for Iowa. Canada, Happy New Year. San Jose. In Oklahoma, Happy New Year. Tampa, Florida, Canada, Tahoe. Hey, I was basically just there. I was in Reno. <laughs> Almost there. Um, Amsterdam, Happy New Year. Texas, Happy New Year. The Philippines, Happy New Year. Missouri, Happy New Year. Argentina, Happy New Year. England, South Africa, Happy New Year. San Diego, Glendale, Arizona. I know where that is. <laughs> Denver, Happy New Year. Um, what else do we got? New York, Happy New Year, San Dimas, Sarasota, Florida, Germany, Ohio, Brazil, Happy New Year, Nashville, Naples, Florida, UK, Happy New Year, Maine, Mars, that's a really far place, so Happy New Year. <laughs> and uh, to everyone else, Denmark, Montreal, Reno, I want to thank everybody. Corona, California, Spain, San Francisco. You guys are everywhere. That's awesome. Switzerland, California. Happy New Year to everyone. And uh, until next time, I just want to let you guys know, thank you so much. And uh, I know your gear. <laughs>